0: Now you can find, listen and subscribe to Chilling with Jenssen, the local Danfoss Climate Solution podcast in your RevTools app. Download it from danfoss.com. Service and support downloads. Hi, I'm Jens Sanderson from Danfoss Climate Solutions. This podcast is an audio extraction from a live stream or webcast that we did the 21st September about heat pumps. Morten Skoworp, Jörg Saar and Jamie Kitchen was in the panel for a talk and to answer questions from the audience about the rather hot topic, heat pumps. There are many types, shapes and sizes, from small split systems and up to industrial-sized heat pumps. For district heating and during the live stream we talked about the heat pump itself, how it works, the efficiency, and what to be aware of when selecting and installing a heat pump in the different regions, climate zones and countries. There were a few technical glitches most of them has been edited out in this podcast but there may still remain one or two so sorry for that welcome to this Stanford climate solution live stream about heat pumps a rather hot topic for the time being i guess we'll be discussing uh, this uh, from the cooling perspective uh, because that's what we're near best and you can ask questions. Uh, you can do it in the chats, and we will. We may also be asking you questions, actually, for a change, like in polls on specific topics. And uh, but please let us know from where you are joining us uh, when you ask questions. Thank you. Today's panel, we have all the guys. Well. Not all the guys from Climate Solution, but the guys we have on board today are all from Danforth Climate Solutions. We have Jörg Saar. Jörg, could you please give us a wave? Thank you. Uh, Global Application Manager joining me from Germany. We have Morten Skogrup, Global Applications Expert Manager from Denmark and Jamie Kitchen, Sales Account Manager, North America or rather Canada or both and myself. Senior yeah. Jens Andersen, sorry, senior content manager at uh, Joining from Denmark. Thank you. Now uh, we'll start with an initial question, um, and it has definitely something to do with this uh, hot topic: heat pumps. Are they going to save our energy-starving world? Huh? What do you say?
1: Well, yeah, will heat pumps save our energy-starving world? That's that's an interesting question. For sure, heat pumps can help to decarbonize the energy supply and the heat supply. Of course, not all energy, but especially when we talk about heat supply, heat for heating tap water, heat for heating rooms, that's where heat pumps can help a lot because they simply help to convert electrical energy into heat, but not only on a factor of of one to one, but they multiply the electrical energy and then provide you quite a lot of heat. And they collect a lot of free of charge ambient heat, which is renewable heat, with the energy you use to drive the heat pumps.
0: Thank you, Jack. Morten, you were going to say something.
2: No, I'm not. I'm not sure. I was going to say something, but just to, well, also add on what Jörg was saying, it is perfectly true that uh, well, energy, uh, the energy solution or situation will not be solved by heat pumps. But uh, in general, you could say that um, uh, all over the world we need to stop burning fossil fuels to keep keep hot. Um, and there, there's uh, basically well. At least where I'm from, uh, Europe, Denmark, um, there's two solutions. Um, one is district heating, where you mm-hmm. get the heat from burning something centrally. It uh, could be biomass. It could also be large heat pumps. And then you have individual heat pumps. And that is basically the the, the only two solutions you're looking into combined with uh, solar panels, uh, solar heat.
0: Mm. Jamie, what do you think?
3: in my in my case uh, in canada and in north america heat pumps really are a solution to issues where um you don't have any natural gas infrastructure so there's large parts of the of the northeastern united states western united states up in canada where you don't necessarily have that uh, natural gas infrastructure so to be able to use electricity and canada has abundant electricity um, in our region, a lot of it is, is developed by nuclear and hydro and things like that, hydroelectric. Electric. It uh, it allows us to use uh, low carbon generated electricity very efficiently. So rather than having to run natural gas lines, you know, thousands of kilometers all over the place, um, you already have that electric infrastructure. Electricity is already being generated. It's there to use. If you use a heat pump and you're using a heat pump with a COP of two or three to one, which is something we're probably going to have to explain, um, it allows you to um, get far more energy out than what you're putting in. So from that standpoint, it does save a lot of energy. It allows you to effectively use electricity um, rather than having to build infrastructure for uh, another type of energy source. And at the same time, it, uh, it uses you know, half the electricity or half the energy input or less to produce the same amount of heat output and so that's that's kind of in my area that's that's what's important i think
0: yeah i think it's it's uh, maybe a thing if we just get uh to to sort of first of all get a definition of the heat pump itself what's what what is what is a heat pump pumping in the first place mm-hmm. and maybe also a quick recap on how the heat pump actually works and that could uh, be something like what you just mentioned, York. Uh, sorry, Jamie, the, the COP.
1: Well, Jens, yeah, you asked what is a heat pump pumping uh, heat. Yes, <laughs> I mean, that thing is called a heat pump. What it does, it takes heat on a lower temperature level, free of charge ambient heat, renewable heat, and then provides that heat at a higher temperature level where we need it. So a heat pump really takes heat, increases the temperature level of that heat, and then provides that heat to the building, for example. And it's doing that by using electricity. And with that electricity, we run a compressor in a refrigeration system. And as every refrigeration system, there is a cold side and a warm side the cold side captures the heat from the outside for example ambient air and then the warm side rejects the heat usually on a refrigeration system we focus on the cold side but here on the heat pump we want to harvest the warm side that means we run that refrigeration system in the heat pump and then the the refrigeration system provides us a heat which is on a higher temperature and that heat that we get is always the driving electricity plus the far larger part of free of charge ambient renewable heat from the outside for example from the ambient air and just to to do a short calculation and to introduce something that is called cop which is the coefficient of performance that shows you how much Free of charge, ambient heat, the electricity can grab and provide you. Let's give let me give you an example. Let's say you put in one kilowatt of electricity and you get out three kilowatts of heat. Then you have a COP of three. Three divided by one. That's that's how you get an idea how much heat the heat pump can give you.
0: Yeah. Uh... Actually, we have a a question from Paul Andre. No, yeah. Paul Andre filling is asking, um, is the information based on CO2 heat pumps? And uh, I don't know, Jörg or somebody else for that matter would be, uh, would like to answer that question, please.
1: Well, yeah, CO2 heat pumps uh, or CO2 and heat pumps. There are two potential answers here. One is using CO2 as a refrigerant in a heat pump. The other one is CO2 emissions related to operating the heat pump. Let's go briefly to CO2 as a refrigerant. Depending on what type of heat pump you want to build, CO2 can be used. However, there are other refrigerants which might be more efficient. For example, in room heating heat pumps, you rarely find CO2 because there are other refrigerants which are more efficient. If we go to CO2 emissions because you run the heat pump, then we talk about electricity generation. When you generate electricity to operate that heat pump, then you can do that in different ways windmills solar or burning gas coal and so on usually that is a mix of all of that and per country per region you have a certain amount of co2 you generate per kilowatt hour of electricity let's say 260 grams per kilowatt hour of electricity that's the co2 amount you generate now if you run your heat pump and use that electricity that means your heat pump still generates a certain amount of co2 per kilowatt of electricity it uses but then maybe you remember the cop you multiply the amount of electricity with the cop and that's how much heat you get out on the co2 side that would be dividing it so you would need let's say, 300 grams of of CO2 per kilowatt hour electricity, but your heat pump gives you a COP of 3, as an example. Now you divide the 300 by 3, which is 100. That means your heat you get out of the heat pump has only a CO2 content of 100 grams per kilowatt hour. Yeah.
3: I mean, it, it's it's a good point. The refrigerant is really the carrier of heat. So like in an, in an air conditioning system, you're using the refrigerant in the evaporator to absorb heat from a source, whether it's waste heat, it's outdoor air, it's groundwater. So the CO2, the two things, the, the CO2 is an efficient carrier of heat. It allows better efficiencies, COP, if you want to call it that, than standard refrigerants. Also, CO2 allows a different running um, method where we run in something called transcritical, where it runs at higher pressures and temperatures. And if the conditions are right, it allows you to have a much warmer heat, a much higher quality heat available, so CO2 systems, when there is a uh, um, conditions are favorable for them, they can be a very, very effective um, uh, source for using as a heat pump,
1: Ex- excellent quality heat that comes off of them. When you have CO2 as a refrigerant for other applications than room heating, for example, than pure room heating heat pumps, then it can be a really efficient refrigerant. For example, when you combine things, you have a supermarket where you want to cool down the products in the supermarket, and then you might want to use the waste heat, let's call it waste heat of that supermarket to put that into a district heating system, for example. Then CO2 can be a really efficient refrigerant because the conditions are pretty good for CO2. And with CO2, you can reach pretty high temperatures. So when you operate at higher temperatures, then CO2 can be more efficient than other refrigerants. That means whether CO2 or not is a good refrigerant for a heat pump, that really depends on what kind of heat pump you have, what conditions you have, what what other application do you serve potentially.
2: Yeah, you could you could also you add that CO2, especially in the transcritical operation mode, that it de- also depends very much on, on the low temperature of uh, of the the heat you deliver. When if if you heat up water, what is the temperature of the water getting into the heat pump? Mm-hmm. Uh, if the temperature is low, then that is beneficial for CO2. But uh, whether it's CO2 or propane or ammonia. Uh, are they are all very good refrigerants for uh, for heat pumps
3: lots of good questions coming in
0: Mm -hmm. yeah there there are quite some activities and i'm not even sure where to start actually because we have uh, lots of questions i can see and people from all over the world uh, basically funny enough i've I've sort of uh, made notes that uh, quite a few are coming from the say the more temperate uh, areas of the uh, world um, and that's a bit funny when we're talking about heat pumps but that's all right i guess um it's let's see if i can find... dig up the first question ah, uh, there are some quite uh, heavy yeah. ones here.
2: i think i think there's there's one coming in in uh, in the chat or the first one is is from constantine vladut and I, I don't know whether that's pronounced correctly i hope it is approximately uh, whether if that says, if COP is coefficient of performance used for heat pumps, where do you use EER? Uh, COP is, 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 is just, it's basically a measure of, um, what do you get divided by what do you pay? Um, you use it for, uh, for, for refrigeration systems. And the heat pump is also a refrigeration system, but it's just a matter of what do you get? Um, you always pay. The electricity you put into the to the heat pump, uh, so COP and uh, is, is typically what you use in uh, in Europe, international countries where you use the ESI system. EER is basically the same thing; it's just in American units.
3: Yeah, you take uh, the the BT you take the watt to BTU uh, um, yeah, uh, the multiplier, and that power. basically is what it is. So yeah. So, so
2: so, there's there's a conversion, it's just a conversion between units. So EEI, you will see in North America, COP, more or less the rest of the world, I mm-hmm.
3: guess. Uh, I'll take the next question, Asad Mah- Mah- Mahmood. Uh One and two ton split ACs with heating and cooling options are similar to heat, are they similar to heat pumps or is it the same thing when it comes to meeting heat and demand? I, that kind of is a is a regional thing. If you're in a temperate climate where you have moderate uh, wintertime temperatures, and it's not very cold, if the temperature doesn't go much below eight or six degrees Celsius, then the time um, mode for a, a system, it, it can just basically reversing the refrigerant through the system. And so... Um, Instead of your evaporator being inside coil, your evaporator becomes your outside coil and you're taking heat from the air outside and bringing it in. In other climates like where I live, where it can get down to minus 20, minus 25 or colder in the wintertime, a lot of times the heating mode will have several stages and you'll have a heating um, setup where you can run the um, heat pump but if the temperature gets below a certain amount outside the heat pump can no longer um make up that deficit. And so you then have backup heating and the backup heating can be anywhere from uh electric resistance heating to um you know, small gas fired units or whatever it happens to be, but you need that secondary uh supplemental heat. Um so I hope that answers your question. But again, it all depends I think regionally there is that difference.
0: You're right. Thanks. Uh, both morgan and uh, Jamie. Uh, there's another question here from Kaustub Motta. I am again not sure how to uh, pronounce, but uh, how cost efficient are these compared to electric heaters, even in the long run?
1: Oh,
3: a lot uh, more efficient, <laughs> but anyways, yeah. I'll let somebody else answer
1: that. Yeah. Uh, it, well, the heat pump is. A lot more efficient than a direct electric heater providing that heat. A direct electric heater takes the electricity and transfers that into heat. So, two kilowatt hours of electricity are transferred into two kilowatt hours of heat. So, that's a one to one transfer rate. The heat pump uses the refrigeration circuit to multiply that heat by taking renewable ambient heat in addition so the heat pump can produce let's say six kilowatt hours of heat from two kilowatt hours of electricity input that means here operating the heat pump you save you save quite a lot of energy and that's the savings you can use to pay for the heat pump because a heat pump is simply more expensive and a good deal more expensive than a simple heating wire in an electric heater. But you can use these savings to pay for the heat pump. And with increasing energy prices, that gets more and more interesting because your savings are becoming bigger. Yeah, so your
3: payback time depends on the initial cost of the installation. Generally speaking, Mm -hmm. the higher the COP or efficiency of the system, the more the applied cost is, the more the upfront cost is going to be, Hmm. but um, it works out. You could could also say, you
2: you could add at least in in some countries that if if you get a heat pump above a certain size and that that they actually, where I come from, it's very small. There's actually some yearly maintenance you have to pay for to get somebody out and check if the the system is running as it should. because well, basically a heat pump is a bit more complicated. It's a bit more technical than just an electrical heater. Um, so so it's a good thing that somebody comes and, and, and look at your system mm-hmm. that needs to be counted in, in the calculation, but that'll mean it's a <coughs> couple of months in the payback time less, uh, mm-hmm. it'll still, it'll pay back very fast to have a heat pump.
3: I mean, it's a good point because the quality of the installation, a lot of times is almost more important than some of the efficiency um points that you see on these units a poorly installed unit with poor airflow or, or incorrect sizing and things like that is very detrimental to things like energy efficiency if you can't get the air where it's needed if the system isn't sized correctly to meet the load or control humidity and ac and in the in in the heating mode then you're going to have real issues down the road. And the payback period can become very, very, very long if you ever pay it back at all. In fact, a lot of times, the systems can fail early if they're not installed properly, and you actually lose that investment. So the maintenance side, very important, as in the installation quality.
1: Yeah, and um, thanks for 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 that, Jamie. And the, there is an additional point to that which should be taken into consideration let's say you need 60 kilowatts as as a maximum power as a maximum heating power and you have a direct electric heater that means you need to provide 60 kilowatts of electricity to that direct electric heater so all your lines your electricity lines your installation needs to be able to handle 60 kilowatts if you install a heat pump with the cop again of three then you only need to provide 20 kilowatts of electricity and the remaining 40 kilowatts come from renewable sources by the heat pump but that means your electricity installation only needs to be able to handle 20 kilowatts instead of the 60 kilowatts depending on how your electricity installation looks like you can or you might be able to provide more heat with a heat pump because you are somewhat limited with the electricity supply and you can multiply the limited electricity supply with a heat pump and provide more usable heat compared to an electric heater just because of the limits of the electricity supply yeah good point um we
0: have another question from Kenwa Basia. Uh, how does the performance of a carbon neutral heat affect, be affected if we have an intermittent power supply? Hmm. That's a good question. Actually. That depends, I guess. Anyone volunteer for an answer?
3: Well, as a service, an um, ex-service guy, I can tell you that electrical quality is very important to any refrigeration cycle based system so if you're talking about intermittent power supply if you're talking about an unstable grid where you have voltage fluctuations and things like that it can cause some issues with the uh with the compressor system whereas i don't think it'd be as much of an issue with straight resistance electric heat Um, poor voltage or voltage fluctuations can shorten the life expectancy of the compressor and cause other issues in the controls and things like that. So that would be something that you would need to monitor pretty closely, I think. Gentlemen, what do you think?
1: Yes, absolutely correct, totally agree. If you have a refrigeration system, you need to have a reasonably good stable power supply to operate that refrigeration system in the heat pump, for example, to operate that compressor. Comparing two scenarios a bit, uh, then there might be a certain advantage to to go to a hydronic system. Jamie, you used the example of uh, direct electric heater to heat the air and as soon as you have a an power outage, there is no heat anymore. If you would now, for example, go to a hydronic system and use a buffer tank, for example, with a heat pump, then you have a bit of buffer capability available. In case your power supply fails for several minutes, for half an hour, for example, you can live out of that buffer and you would not even notice that there is a power failure. Or let's not call it a power failure, but something that you agree with your utility that they can switch off the power supply to the heat pump for a shorter period of time during peak hours to do peak shifting and so on. And you might want to agree with them because they give you a better rate on the electricity. So you install a buffer tank, you can live out of that buffer tank, and then you have a better electricity rate, which makes it more attractive to run the heat pump throughout the year. And during the times when the utility switches off the power supply for a short period of time, you live out of that buffer tank.
2: Yeah. Uh,
0: Let's see.
2: So so now we get into the fluids, I guess. Yeah, mm. I, I think so. <laughs> uh,
0: we have a question uh, from Markus uh, Edrich. Mm. I guess it's uh, Germanly uh, pronounced. Which fluid will be present at most equipments in future? And uh, I suggest we uh, <laughs> at least initially uh, interpret fluid as the refrigerant. Mm-hmm.
2: I, and there's there's also some other questions uh, related to that coming coming along. Um, uh, I, I would say, and uh, first of all, there's 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 a huge debate about this around the world, and <laughs> and and what what is needed, and what is not. Um, so so let me just start and say, I think that natural refrigerants they will dominate the market in heat pumps, uh, no doubt about it um we're seeing it already now heat pumps for for a household uh, for, for family houses uh, is going to be propane i guess More or less, industrial heat pumps will be a combination of ammonia and CO2. Mm -hmm. And then you will have uh, some uh, high temperature industrial heat pumps where you will take the temperature to 100, uh, 150, uh, sometimes up to 200 degrees. And that market will be dominated by hydrocarbons, flammables. Um, Mm -hmm. I, I, I I don't think there's any doubt that that is the direction things are going in.
3: Yeah, I I would second what you just said. Yeah, that's that would be my guess too. If I had to bet on anything,
2: mm-hmm. I know that there's a two Ls uh, and um, that they also are relevant fluids for heat pumps. Um, um, they certainly are, and they will they will also find their place. Um, but but the predominant uh, refrigerants will be natural, simply because. Um, they're cheap, they are available almost everywhere. Um, and the systems are very efficient.
3: Yeah. Yeah. The efficiency side of it is, is Mm. absolutely critical because that's the whole pivot or whatever focus of, of these systems. Right. And going to, you know, hydrocarbons makes a big difference.
2: Yeah, and then, then, then you, we, we can have a discussion, uh, or at least that, that is a relevant discussion about uh, the service personnel, people who are going to maintain if we go up in size of heat pumps, uh, people that are going to maintain uh, systems with hydrocarbons, flammables, ammonia, we need we need trained people, we need skilled people, and that is, I think, that's something that is lacking uh, in general
3: around the world,
2: uh, yep. but... Uh, but uh, there's, there's people working on, on improving on that also.
3: Yeah, that's a long term task the industry has seen for a while. Absolutely. Oh, yeah.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And um, I don't know if you should jump to the next question from Konstantin uh, Vladut how do the current electricity prices affect the return on the investment of heat pumps yeah that's a good question
3: uh, It depends what you're comparing it to if you're yeah. if you yeah. have electric heating right um as york said if, if you're if you're comparing apples to apples if you know if you, if you have straight electric resistance heating you bring in one kilowatt you get one kilowatts worth of heat if you have a heat pump with a you know cop of three to one you're getting three units of heat out for every unit of heat you put in. So you're getting three kilowatt, you know, worth of heat out for every kilowatt you put in. Now, if you compare it to say natural gas and you live in a region where electricity is quite expensive, a lot of times electricity per, you know, heating value or energy value can be twice what natural gas is. So, now suddenly you have the option of looking in. Okay, if I compare it to a furnace that is 96% efficiency, you're 94% efficient, right? And it's going to cost me this much in natural gas. If natural gas goes up in price 5%, but electricity goes up uh, by 25 or 30% because you know you're, the mix of electricity that or the mix of generating that you have is you know nuclear or something like that, now it's more difficult to to compare because um it's if you're looking at from a straight cost standpoint if natural gas is substantially cheaper than electricity your heat pump now is going to have a much longer payback period because um instead of five dollars worth of natural gas it's ten dollars worth electricity that it's got to use so you know two to one cop is going to be your break-even point as far as cost goes so that does make a, a big difference actually but again it's only if you have other energy options
2: yeah, and you and your kids could say at least um, in some parts of the world, the the gas prices and the electricity prices they are they are kind of connected. So uh, when one goes up, the other one goes up also. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so so the comparison more or less stays constant. Um, but there's also there's there's a dark horse in all of this, and that is uh, how politicians behave because they have... the essentially the ones that are deciding what the price of energy will be mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. um and uh, and and not just the price but also what type of energy are we are we supposed to use and um um there's no doubt in my mind that the natural gas that is that is something that is uh, that we are going to stop using in a f- foreseeable time
3: yeah especially on a on the geopolitical side of things i know in mm. europe I think more of your electricity is generated with natural gas than say in my area where we, Probably, you know, yes. we, we have an abundance of hydroelectricity and huge investments in nuclear power back in the day. So I think, you know, 90 odd percent of the electricity that we have generated here anyways, in Ontario and Quebec comes from either nuclear or hydro hmm. with the rest thrown in is is wind and solar.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And, and in Denmark it's it's primarily wind. And then there's there's a whole bunch of stuff coming in, also because in Europe we are typically connected to each other. So so it's it's quite difficult to to have a look at the electron and see whether it comes from 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 nuclear wind or mm-hmm. or coal or whatever has been used. Mm-hmm. Uh, we pretty much have all everything.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's right uh we have a good question from uh, sunil kumar how does the evaporator of a heat pump and an ac uh differ from each other <laughs> hmm.
3: well i could i could be i could be kind of be sarcastic and say that if it's in the cooling mode they're the same if it's in the heating mode then your evaporator and your condenser are the same but um I think we need a more technical answer than that. So, I'll, I'll leave it up to one of you two to to dig up an answer.
2: Oh, well, it well, York left, so 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 No, York's <laughs> gone. All
3: right. he we went by new I,
2: phone. I, it depends what kind of system heat pumps heat pumps and I I'm, we haven't even touched upon that yet, but the heat yeah. pumps come in many different flavors. They, they, there's uh, there's water to water, there's air to water, there's air to air heat pumps there's, uh uh you, and you can probably make any combinations uh, and also the heat source whether it's groundwater or uh, yeah whatever so that will that'll make the evaporator look different uh, mm-hmm. it, it will be different if you if you're talking about just a, a split air conditioning unit there won't be that
3: much difference i think that's you what you're referring to to be honest with you
2: yeah and, and if you, because if you have a heat pump uh, where the evaporator is, uh, evaporator sitting outdoors, you will, you will also have, uh, you will have defrost issues. You will have, uh, mm-hmm. all the normal stuff you have with an evaporator. Uh, mm-hmm. you will see the same things, uh, in a heat pump evaporator.
3: Yeah. The only thing I'd probably add to that. And, and, and this used to be more, um, of, of, a of a, of a thing than it is now because of the efficiency gains in AC as well. But in North America, a lot of times you have a split system and Mm -hmm. your outdoor unit serves as the heat rejection, the condenser in the cooling mode. And a lot of times they have a larger surface area than um, the evaporator indoors would have Mm -hmm. in the cooling mode because you want to reject heat at a lower temperature and and pressure. Mm -hmm. So that when you switch to the heating mode, you now take advantage of that larger surface area that is outside and this allows you to have a higher evaporating temperature compared to the ambient conditions Mm. because the larger the surface area the more heat transfer that can occur for every temperature difference and change between the refrigerant and the air for example it allows you to raise your condensing temperature sorry um yeah, it it allows you to have your condensing temperature closer to your air temperature. So it actually allows you to to um mm-hmm. okay, let me back up. It allows you to have your evaporating <laughs> temperature closer to your air temperature. So it allows you to have a higher evaporating temperature. Um confuse myself there. It allows you to have a higher evaporating temperature closer to the outdoor air temperature. And of course, when mm-hmm. you raise your evaporating temperature, that reduces your compression ratio and reducing your compression ratio increases your energy efficiency. Yeah, I finally got it out, man. So there you go. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. But I agree.
3: Yeah.
0: And um, we have a question now from a person whose name I'm absolutely uh, I can I can pronounce that name to be uh, he's asking, do you think because of marketing, modern heat pumps are branded with a higher COP, p and only av- uh, which is only available under specific conditions?
2: It's um, uh, <laughs> I, it's
3: kind of like I, your I, car, yeah. You, you know, <laughs> you got a 2,000 kilogram car. Does it really get five liters per hundred kilometers? That seems impossible, right? Yeah, but uh, that's only no, going downhill the, at 45 degrees.
2: Yeah, but but uh, but the that is true that um, COP is, is, is given at a, at a certain condition, uh, Tobias yes. has a point. But um, normally, uh, or at least uh, in Europe, um, heat pumps are marketed uh, under what you can call a seasonal COP. Mm-hmm. So they're trying to make a, um, a seasonal calculation, which includes uh, different ambient conditions. Uh, it also includes defrost cycles because they are part of the thing. It includes, um, 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 yeah, b- b- different load scenarios so that it also runs in part load, um, and and all of these things you put together in in a quite a complicated uh, calculation part and outcome the seasonal COP and that is the one that is that is marketed. So, the question is probably also when you when you buy a, a heat pump, do you get the COP, and. Uh, I will say that the, currently the current value they are, we, are, we are giving out for customers uh, or heat pump manufacturers are giving out for customers that's much better value than it was for just a few years back mm-hmm. when they were when they were rating the heat pump at the absolutely most favourable condition. Yeah. That is not the case anymore. It's it's a more realistic value you will see when you when when you buy a heat pump.
3: Yeah, I agree 100%. It's 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 actually changed much better in favor mm-hmm. of, of actually you know understanding what you're actually going to get for your investment. In other words, yep. you know how efficient that system is going to be.
2: Uh, you you can you can you can do an economic calculation and you can kind of trust that, right? It's it's always difficult because you're essentially predicting what will happen in the future, and and at least what I hear from people that has changed from. Um, It could be just a a biomass furnace that they have at home where they're burning wood or something else and they change to a heat pump. Uh, Things suddenly get a lot easier. It's easier to maintain. It's easier to control. It's easier. You've got apps on your phone where you can Mm -hmm. control the temperatures and stuff like that. So all of that uh, changes uh, the pattern. Of, uh, of how people actually use heat, and um, then, then it suddenly becomes difficult to compare before and after, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, true. Uh, a question from Sergio Mash Matthew. Do we have water to water heat pumps and what is the maximum output temperature we can reach for a water to water heat pump?
2: Mm. Um, <laughs> I don't... Yeah, Danfoss doesn't have water-to-water heat pumps. Just we we don't sell heat pumps. We sell components for heat pumps. Uh, but uh, depends on what you want. Uh, you can you can buy heat pumps that will uh, that uh, I think uh, the highest I have seen that is water temperatures of um, of uh, around 200 degrees. So they are producing steam. Now you're talking mm-hmm. industrial heat pumps. Uh, for a household uh, heat pump. I've what seen, are they circulating
3: uh, in those things, man? Mercury or something? <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> That's just water, uh, okay. just in a different phase. But
2: uh, but you can also you can um, for for a household heat pump, and that is probably what Suju is, is talking about. A household heat pump, you will have uh, temperatures that is typically for, for the typical heat pump, and that is uh, uh, around 55, 60 yeah. degrees. But if you, especially some of the new propane heat pumps I've seen, they go as high as uh,
3: 70, 80 degrees. Yeah. I think as far as domestic hot water is concerned, um, if you're using it to heat potable water, in other words, water that you're going to use in a shower or bathtub or washing up, it has to be at least. I think 140 degrees Fahrenheit, and I'm not 100% sure what that translates into Celsius. If it's 50 or 55 degrees, but that is required in order to make sure the water doesn't carry any pathogens, such as Legionella and things like that, that can um, cause hazards to uh, human health or people's health. So you have to be able to maintain that, you know, minimum water temperature for safety reasons. Now you know if it's for domestic floor heating or whatever it happens to be then there's you know other other levels that you can get away with but the thing to remember is that the the higher the water temperature or the higher the high side temperature is in relation to what your low side temperature is in other words the bigger the difference in temperature between what you're getting heat from and what you're putting the heat into the less efficient the system is going to be because of that temperature difference. So we try and make the water as you know, hot as it needs to be, but hopefully not much hotter because again, your efficiency starts to drop off.
2: Exactly, and that is, that is what you can say. The big difference between an electrical heater, a gas burner and a heat pump is that the heat pump's efficiency is, a, is, is basically a function of the operating conditions to a much mm-hmm. higher degrees than the others.
0: Yeah. Uh, can we take the next question from Isanka Islopa? I would like to know the recommended
3: lifetime of heat pump. Huh. <laughs>
2: oh, man. So, so would I.
3: <laughs> yeah, exactly. If you find out, please email the rest of us, right? And then we'll all Yeah, know. no I, if... I mean, it, it depends again on <clears throat> Okay. Uh, It depends, again, on maintenance and everything else. You know, we'd like them to last as long as possible and not less than what they're capable of. And I know that sounds like a a cop-out question, but, you know, a system can last five years or the same system could last 20 years. The system that had ran for 20 years had good quality voltage. It had regular maintenance. You know, it didn't run outside of its design parameters. You know, things like that um make a huge huge difference um and then you know separate from that is you know the quality of the components and the manufacturing side so those two make up a the majority of the influence on how something long lasts so if you ask me i would say i want to last as long as it possibly can yeah. Right. So this design the last 20 years, I want the last 20 years at least. Right. Mm. Um, whereas designed the last 20 years, but it dies in five because it was poorly installed. It wasn't maintained. There was poor power to the unit that was never caught. Things like that.
0: Yeah. And that, I guess, comes down to, yeah, you said it maintenance, right? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's what it's all about. And installation, of course uh raymond Mate is asking what are the service factors for working with co2 are there (laughs) any dangers for example Um,
2: uh, a refrigeration system is is a technical system mm -hmm. um there are dangers and it should only be maintained by qualified people i I think that that it can basically be cut down to that uh it's not something you you do uh in your spare time yeah. Um, it, you need, you need a guy who knows what he's doing. It goes for any kind of refrigerant. Uh, I, I think we also had a question. Uh, I just, uh, it was in the, in the chat saying that, uh, yeah, but CO2, ammonia is toxic, uh, things like that. All refrigerants are toxic. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just a matter of the conditions, how, how mm-hmm. you, how you handle it and the situations you get yourself in. Um, so, so it's a technical system. It should be handled by professionals so that is there and that that doesn't matter basically whether it's a co2 system ammonia system whatever uh, there's co2 systems they have higher pressures but it's not something that cannot be handled mm-hmm. uh, it's being handled by uh, thousands of installations every day throughout the world it's
1: um yeah but but professionals as you said Morten, and that's yeah. that's so important if you mm. have a, a simple electric heater you can put that into your outlet you have a socket you put that into your outlet done mm. right if you have a heat pump and you are not a certified refrigeration person hands off exactly. don't yeah. work on the refrigeration circuit you, you can change settings or whatever but do not work on the refrigeration mm. circuit only professionals very mm-hmm. clear statement
2: yeah completely agree
1: yeah uh a question
0: from Konstantin uh, Vladut: where do you see the soft starter plus compressor solution in the next 10 years ah. <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay uh, <laughs> you know uh, it's, it's a mad.
3: good point when you think about it though because if you look yeah, at you yeah i mean if you look at the um and in fact it's very relevant because over the past few years we have noticed that the um if you look at like the constant electrical usage say for example when people went to led lights and fluorescent lights the, the electrical demand on houses started to drop all right however the issue was the amount of motors that were starting and drawing, you know, locked rotor amps when they started kept these huge spikes in demand centered on certain times of day when industry started, when industry stopped, things like that. And you would see these huge spikes in electricity that required excessive electricity generation in order to, to, to meet that. So in other words, we were generating more electricity than we needed 99.9 percent of the time okay that's an exaggeration but to meet these electrical spikes from starting motors however if you're going to add heat pumps to that equation where you have these compressor motors you know starting up a lot of times in the morning when people get up and turn their heat up or whatever and it's going to amplify that you know industrial demand spike it's a big deal and that's where this soft starter variable speed drives, things like that that can control that inrush current, there's a huge focus on that right now because it really means there's much less demand on the electrical infrastructure. And let's face it, electrical infrastructure these days is very expensive and it's very political. So anything we can do to get around that is a big plus
1: yeah and and just to mention that you you said um, variable speed compressors already jamie and i immediately reacted to that question gone many many heat pumps especially residential size small commercial sizes they use variable speed compressors and as soon as you have that you have an, a built-in soft start that, mm-hmm. that's how it is with a variable speed compressor you always have a kind mm-hmm. of a built-in soft starter and that's why you don't need a separate one and since more and more heat pumps have variable speed compressors it it solves itself
0: yeah you have them built
1: in Uh, another question
0: Uh, uh, a good question actually daniel gustavo he's asking considering a heat pump for water application is an obligation is it an obligation to use An electronic expansion
1: valve? No, the the clear answer is no. (laughs) Um, There is no application whatsoever to use an electric expansion valve. You can use thermostatic expansion valves. That's that's all fine and they work fine. And you might even get the same efficiency if you have a a certain application range. The broader Mm -hmm. your application range, that means the broader your temperature changes, the more an electric valve can give you some advantages, but if if that is not very broad, that that temperature range you're looking at, a thermostatic expansion valve can be adjusted to that and work perfect.
2: Mhm. But that is yes. yeah, yeah. And, and that, but that's a general rule, right? Jörg? It has got nothing to do with general heat pumps. Rule. It's a general it's... rule. It's for any refrigeration system, including. It's a general heat rule.
1: Yes,
3: mm-hmm. absolutely which which you make a good point is because again we have to point out that heat pumps are refrigeration systems. Yeah. Every refrigeration sense. and air conditioning system is really a heat pump. You're pumping heat from where you don't want it to someplace that you don't care about or someplace where you can use it, right? All we're doing in a heat pump is making the flow you know, reverse if you want to call it, compared to an AC system where you're absorbing heat and taking it to a place where you actually want to use it. So, yeah,
2: you um, don't reverse the yeah. you don't reverse the flow. You just use the heat in the different places instead yeah, of using the cold point. side. Yeah. You use the hot side, right? You're not reversing yeah. anything. It's just a matter of where you what, what you think is, is beneficial. Yeah. What, what is it that you mm. use? Is it the heat or or the cold, so to say? The yeah. cold. Yeah. Uh, yeah, badly expressed, but. Uh, Anyway, we get it. Yeah. Yeah. Good.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. A quick question from Leho Nohololo. You it's a we Call word. this. We should listen to
3: Jen's butcher people's names for forty
2: seven. That's it's, it's perfectly okay for people to comment on this, I would say.
3: <laughs> I, I,
0: I no one is, is uh, feeling bad about this, but uh, uh, he's essentially asking is the heat pump system cheaper than the electric heat? And yeah, I, we've already answered that. No. Uh, uh, yes, no. it is indeed.
3: In Application wise, yeah. Applied cost, yes. Upfront cost, no. 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 Yeah, no.
1: that, that yeah. way. Applied cost, yes. Upfront cost, no. Yeah.
3: Yes
0: um uh, Lindsay Neko is asking, alongside initial uh, capex on the kit, where are the manufacturers preparing to do uh, to address these issues? I'm not
1: sure I get that one.
3: Yeah, what issues? Uh, capital expenditure. So may-
1: maybe, yeah, maybe the question is what do manufacturers do to get the cost of heat pumps down? maybe you can rephrase the question in that i I, I don't know whether that's the meaning if that's Mm. the meaning well of course every manufacturer of a heat pump works as every component manufacturer to 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 offer attractive costs attractive prices
3: Mm. yeah And,
1: and everywhere wherever you you can do something there's work going on
3: yeah common commonality you know economy or scale ease of installation things like that you know it it all adds up um
0: i have taken the liberty of taking a question from patrick martin what are the benefits for us living in the tropics related to the use of heat pumps that's so that's a that's very a question. good question.
1: Do, do you need heat pumps in the tropics? I mean, I thought it's warm there anyway. Yeah, but well, what are you
3: going to do? You're going to put your pot of water out in the sun and wait for it to hit 60 degrees, man. Uh, yeah, <laughs> no, yeah, exactly. I mean... You need hot water anyway, but. Hot water heat, I think would be an excellent, uh, um, excellent opportunity for that. Uh, as far as, uh, you know, that goes, man, because again, you would have a very efficient hot water heating, I think.
1: Yeah. True. I hope, I hope we don't talk about room heating, I hope for you who lives in the tropics. Um, but yes, hot water production is, is extremely efficient there. Mm-hmm. Yep.
0: Yeah, And the que- uh, questions keeps coming. Let's see. Uh, Alan Krantz is asking, in commercial buildings, there are examples with both boiler and AC solutions. Do you see a future for combining these systems in an integrated heat pump Hmm. good question
1: yes Oiling. <laughs> uh, oh, oh yes there there is a future for that because as we mentioned a few times a heat pump is a refrigeration system an air conditioning system is a refrigeration system so why not have one system to use that throughout the year in the winter to produce heat for the building in the summer to take heat out of the building. And there are already a lot of these systems commercially in the market, which use that idea
3: Mm -hmm. to have
1: that one system used for, for all these functions for both functions. Mm -hmm. And in the meantime, and in addition, dehumidifying as well. Ah, thank
3: you. You just jumped on my next topic. I was going Ah. to add dehumidification. (laughs) There you go. dehumidification or the control of latent energy moisture is becoming a huge focus with the increase in fresh air requirements that we're starting to see in commercial buildings and schools and hospitals and things like that, to the point where a lot of times we're bringing in almost as much um, fresh air as, you know, the return air that we're circulating. And because outside it's very rarely the same conditions as inside a lot of times you need to treat that air. And if you have to, coo- to re- remove moisture, a lot of times there's a necessary me- requirement to reduce the moisture, but at the same time, you don't wanna cool the building down to 12 degrees Celsius to do it. So essentially what you're doing is you're running the outside air through a you know, dedicated evaporator for dehumidification, and then you're using some of that condenser heat right that heat rejection from the system to warm that air back up sensibly so that when it goes back into the space it's at a comfortable dry bulb temperature and at a you know comfortable humidity level and you don't want to waste heat with natural gas or electricity or oil or whatever to reheat the air why not just use it use that uh, heat from the system to do it itself right and that saves a lot of energy
2: and, and and you might also add it. Just the whole topic of heat recovery. That is something mm-hmm. that people are going to hear a lot about in the future, uh, be, uh, simply because the, the sort of the thought of a refrigeration system having a condenser standing somewhere rejecting heat to the ambient mm-hmm. uh, is is not going to be accepted. Uh, yeah. I agree. We're yep. gonna, we are going to look at this heat, and we are going to increase the temperature with a heat pump, for example, and then use it for other purposes. Uh, that is what is being done in supermarkets. That is what is mm-hmm. being done many, many, many places uh, where you yes. look at what... Supermarkets
3: is the, what kind of led that charge, actually.
2: Yeah, exactly, <laughs> yes. So so, so you're looking at what is the heat available and what are your temperature needs. And in between that, those mm-hmm. two, uh, that, that is normally a perfect fit for a heat pump.
0: Mm-hmm. Great, thanks. Question from Alexander Martin, is 1234 ZE scroll compressor worth for air? air to water heat pumps? Do you profit from high pressure discharge in this configuration?
3: That's an engineering question. But uh, yes, I think people like are trying to make these refrigerant names as long as possible now, just uh, kind of like <laughs> the passwords we have to use on our computers. Um, okay. And he's actually uh, missing I can't speak an, another. I specifically the lack of refrigerant. Um, if if somebody else <laughs> wants to, that's fine. Uh,
2: there's 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 nothing there's uh, I I want to three four set ee uh, is typically what you're using and and that is being used in heat pumps. Uh, so so it's definitely one of the the refrigerants okay. that are that are being considered. Um, again uh for most heat pumps there's there's uh, there will be an, an alternative propane co2 ammonia that is working uh, mm-hmm. at least equally as good
0: mm.
2: but there will be niche things where where one two three four 3, probably will have it's uh, its, uh will have its uh, place
1: yeah. agree if we dive uh, very briefly into one two three four city there are advantages and disadvantages the advantages that your pressure levels for higher temperatures for higher temperatures on the warm side are not very high you can mm-hmm. handle that pretty good that's mm-hmm. that's a nice thing you can generate quite high flow temperatures on the warm side the negative one on on that refrigerant is that when you have low temperature sources for example ambient air in the winter your your pressure inside the refrigeration circuit can fall below ambient temperature. So your mm. pressure is below ambient, which is something that you typically want to avoid. So there are pros and cons for for that one. There's also the same.
3: mass flow then, right? The lower the pressure, the lower the density, the yeah, lower the Yeah, you need the the large compressors
1: for that refrigerant, but it, it is okay. pretty efficient. So th- yeah. there are it's, pros it's, and yeah, cons yeah. for that.
2: There's, there's pros and cons. And there's also, it's an A2L, refrigerant meaning it's uh, what is called uh, low flammability uh, hard to ignite basically but and uh, but that is uh, yeah that's that's also an option too or a thing to consider when you choose the refrigerant
0: mm. yeah thomas Keha is asking how do you see the potential of using heat pumps for a great flexibility using the house itself as an accumulator I guess that takes a mm. good insulated house first yeah, of all
1: that, that's, that's, a, that's a, an interesting discussion uh, if you have a buffer tank in the house you use the water but I guess you talk about the house itself, the, the walls the, the the stones of the house the, the air in the house And and there are really different opinions because some people say yeah why not um, to to warm up the house another two or one degree more and then you use that stored energy but there are people who say you know what if I want to have 22 Celsius in the house I want to have 22 and I don't want my heat pump to decide that I feel comfortable with 23 or even 24 and then it cools down again hmm. because we as humans are pretty sensitive to these temperature changes we notice them so there are these <laughs> yeah, processes you're cons.
3: absolutely right yes. Yeah. 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 I okay. think when he said grid, I was thinking that if you look at a variable speed situation, if your grid is nearing its max capacity and you're worried about your voltage starting to drop, which we refer to as a brownout, at least here, um, if you drop the frequency of a variable speed compressor by two or three hertz, you're probably not going to see a big difference on the capacity side um, for a lot of the reasons that York just said. But your electricity demand can drop substantially with frequency, so um, you know it, they it, they can control the electricity supply by just you know controlling the frequency of your compressor by a few hertz. If that means that you know um, the voltage stays good in the system and there's you know there's less chance of problems and things like that, I think that would add flexibility and and that and it's been investigated. But again, it re- would require a large investment in what we call smart meters or smart utility meters on your house that can that can monitor and regulate that and as york says a lot of people feel that is intrusive technology
0: yeah um we're sort of at the end of time but let's let's take a few questions more um, yeah. One from Sunil Kumar. He's asking about the two hundred degree of uh, water, well, steam. Uh, what which material to use in that context, especially uh, the heat, heat transferring. I,
2: I, I think it was me who brought these heat pumps up, right? Uh, and the, but there's there's no special material requirements for 200 degrees. That is handled perfectly by by brace plate heat exchangers. Uh, if, if if you're using that stainless steel, uh, usual materials, uh, no big issues. Mm, okay. Yeah. There, you could have issues if you're looking into gaskets, especially O-rings, materials mm-hmm. like that. But uh, but still, there are solutions.
0: Yeah, of course. Thanks um samir Rira is asking how is the difference between the heat pumps and groundwater heat pumps i guess it's uh, water heat pumps and groundwater heat pumps
3: right yeah i can i can take this one if you want because that's something that's in our area yeah. the big difference is investment from a residential standpoint let's talk about a residential small commercial whereas normally if you're putting just an air to air heat pump in or an air to air or an air to water Your typical contractor comes and installs the outdoor unit the indoor unit and sets it up if you're talking about a geothermal system now you're talking about heavy equipment you're talking about excavators and backhoe and tunneling and trenching and you know ground drilling type systems you're talking about intensive um heat flow underground heat flow hydronic heat flow heat transfer inside all these things add immensely to the 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 complication and to the um investment that's required by the contractor and the installer to do it right if it's done right you can have an excellent system with excellent efficiency if it's done wrong you have a complete disaster. And I'll tell a quick story. I, I was at my daughter's dance class and the lady beside me found out that I was an HVAC and she literally started crying because the geothermal system that she put in that cost her thousands and thousands of thousands of dollars was not working. And I spoke to a friend of mine who does geothermal installs And he says, Jamie, it breaks my heart, but there's nothing I can do for her because, because everything is installed underground. If it wasn't done right, it has to all pretty much be ripped up and put back in again. So it is critical when it comes to geothermal systems that they're put in by a competent person that does it on a regular basis and has made the investment in training and equipment and personnel and everything else. I hope that answers your question, but that's the first thing that popped into mind.
0: Yeah, great, thanks. Uh, uh, quite a funny, interesting question from Abe Kuma Is there any solution for battery cooling or heating?
1: Yes. <laughs> there, yes, there, there is. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And there are commercial systems available. Hmm. which which use normal refrigeration systems in, in, in a car, for example. You use the compressor that is used to, for air conditioning the cabin, the passenger cabin, and you can cool or preheat the battery with that one as well. A bit of a hydronic, um, hydronics in, in between, two heat exchangers in between, but yes, there, there are solutions out there. Hmm. So it's, a, it's hmm. again, a normal refrigeration system
3: yeah uh you know guys i think there's enough questions and interest here that we could do another show
1: i think so too yeah yeah we have
0: yeah. Uh, two questions more are you ready set up for that yep uh how much overtime are we 10 minutes approximately
1: yeah
0: Uh would heat pumps be effective as air conditioning when used for cooling <laughs>
3: Yeah, they usually are. They usually dual purpose, and at least around where I'm from, they're dual purpose. Yeah, so they do both. Okay.
0: Yeah. and that's that's the usual. I mean, the, the, the thing you see everywhere, right? That it's, However, it's, you got to be yeah, careful in
3: sizing them. You don't want to size them based on just heat, right? Mm-hmm. If you if you oversize your heat pump air conditioner, right, so that you match the heat. Now that you come to the air conditioning side, if your air conditioning now is, is oversized for the heat load, that can cause all kinds of problems from everything from you know temperature control, humidity control, especially, and your energy efficiency will be very poor.
1: And just to mention that, if you have a water heat or a heat pump that puts the heat into the water and you pump around the water in your house to radiators, you're not going to do that for, for cooling because radiators are not made for air conditioning. If you oh, have I'm fan coils, that. that's something different. But a radiator or a floor heating system, you can cool <laughs> down a little bit, but by far not as good as an air conditioning system because they are not made for that. You mm-hmm. can cool down a bit, but not as efficient as or not as effective as an air conditioning system
3: using floor your floor as a cooling uh, medium gives me nightmares just thinking about it
1: mm. yeah that's let's stay away from that <laughs>
3: mm-hmm. nightmare and cold feet right yeah exactly
0: yeah last question uh it's from pablo pablo a we have installed one heat pump but it's way too noisy for our family it goes up above 55 dbs do you have any solution to reduce that noise to under 40 dB?
1: Not for an existing system. No,
3: unless um, there's something obvious like it's a fan that's imbalanced or the compressor sitting, you know, it doesn't have any rubber isolators or something like that, unless it's something obvious that you can identify. Yeah, York's right.
1: Mm. yeah i mean you, you need to look at it is there as you say jamie is is there a vibration induced is there a, a pipe maybe hitting hitting the housing all the time but if that's not the case and the unit is just that noisy because the design of the unit is that noisy you cannot do anything mm. or only only with very very crazy ideas that you that you put a soundproof housing around your unit and have additional fans which bring in air and out forget it (laughs) that's that's far too complicated yeah yeah
0: great but uh, i think we are at the end now we've done 10 minutes more than what we plan to do
1: And what, what about the remaining questions? We try to, I see we have some, and and I guess we try to answer them somehow. If we can reach the person, if we can identify somehow who has asked that question, we can try to answer that later somehow via a social media channel. I don't know, Mm -hmm. does that work?
3: Or we can hold them for a future episode. If you guys are up to it
1: Or, or something like that.
0: I guess uh, it should be possible to answer the questions uh, through LinkedIn at least. I'm not too sure about Facebook and YouTube if we can do that, uh, but we'll, we'll anyway, we'll try to answer all the questions that we haven't answered here uh, in via the uh, social medias. Um, so yeah, we'll do our best. Uh, <laughs> good. Okay. Um, but uh, so uh, I would just say thank you guys to both Morten, Jörg and Jamie. And uh, it has been a great discussion. And I hope that per- people who has listened has learned something from, from us, from, from you guys. I know, uh, I know. Yeah,
2: listening to you. Um,
0: yeah. But thank you so much and have a nice evening. Yeah. And a nice
1: day to you, Daniel.
3: Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Gentlemen, you we'll thanks talk to, to all To yeah. so everybody yeah. who
1: joined. And yeah, yeah. It was, thank was you. A yeah. Thanks. Take it was care. A
3: pleasure. Yes. Bye bye. Bye.
0: Please give us feedback on Chilling with Jens in one word at danfoss.com. And as usual, stay cool and above all, stay safe.